Welcome to Asbury Pod with Amy Quinn and Joe Walsh. This week, we welcome the Monmouth County Clerk, Christine Giordano Hanlon, and ask her the question everyone wants to know what does the Office of the County Clerk do? We also discuss how hard it was to manage an all vote by mail election, and if being a district attorney in the Bronx is just like it is on Law and Order. With a shout out to Peaky Blinders along the way, welcome Christine. The matters addressed in this podcast represent my own personal views and opinions concerning issues affecting the citizens of Asbury Park in my capacity as the deputy mayor of the city of Asbury Park. They do not necessarily represent the official position of the city or the official position of the Asbury Park City Council as a whole. I am developing and implementing this podcast in an effort to keep citizens informed. However, this is not an official city of Asbury Park podcast and does not, and I repeat, does not represent the official position of the city or the governing body. Welcome, everybody. It's December 2nd to Asbury Pod. Um, and I'm here, Amy Quinn, uh, with Joe Walsh. And we're here Hello. talking to the county clerk. Um, but before we talk to the county clerk, I was just going to say... Whose name is the, what? <laughs> whose name is Christine Hanlon. Yeah, okay. Um, and I have to tell you, I'm going to digress for one second. When we ask people for questions for you, <laughs> can you not? Yeah. I'm not sure this says good things about... America or Asbury Park or New Jersey, but I can't tell you how many people are like, what is a county clerk? So, I get that so, all the time. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have to get to that. Um, yeah. And we would, I was just saying to Joe, like we try to keep it at an hour and then um, because you lose people really anything over than an hour, myself included. And I listen to podcasts all day, but we had, um, I don't know if you've ever gone to the showroom, which was this independent movie theater in Asbury that is um, as a result of the pandemic, Gone, you know, they closed. They had yeah. um and and they went, you know, we went not not long over, but like 10, 15 minutes over um at our last podcast that we we try not to because my son also comes down after an hour and starts screaming. I mean, we could have gone for another hour. I was just listening away. I was like, oh, we better wrap it up because nobody's gonna be listening past. <laughs> um and I have to tell our listeners talk fast. I have to tell our listeners I put a sweater on. I didn't put makeup on, but I did put a sweater on for Christine because she's one of you're one of our you're like a little official, like a Tommy no, you know, when we get, you know, you're not um, COVID during drag, you know, drag during COVID. <laughs> I did not put a sweater on for them and they didn't care. Well, I, I always have to apologize. You know, I working from home, I work in my basement, which is unfinished. And ordinarily when I'm at work, I have a background on, but I'm not at work. So you get to see the unfinished mess. I feel hey. always, thank God it's a radio pod, you you know, podcast and no one can see it. <laughs> Yeah, you have yeah, that's where, that's where I work. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, it looks like I'm a fugitive down here. And last but not least, I am on day four of a juice fast from Juice Basin. Oh. So I want to give them a, I know, I, I have to tell How's you. How's it like, going? So day one, I was like, okay. So first of all, I put on weight from COVID. So I'm obviously trying to, to do something about that. And um and when I went to get the juice fast, I'm talking to this kid, it's Reggie, Reggie Flimlin in Asbury Park, she has juice basin. And I walk in and I say, oh, I'm trying to get rid of this COVID-19. 
and I'm meaning the pounds. <laughs> and he's like, we're getting a ton of people who are coming to us who have COVID who are trying to treat it with juices. So that was one interesting tidbit. So I clarified that, but I'm on day four. I have one more day to go and um, it's good. You know, I'm, I'm hungry. I mean, I'm hungry. You have a headache. I always I worry about getting a headache from... Yeah, so she tells you to drink coffee because what happens is oh, you okay. get a headache and then you blame her product. So she's like, drink one, you know, co- you know, a black cup of coffee or something like that to, to prevent the headache. So I, yeah. I am still on two yeah. cups of coffee, but with that exception, I have not eaten any food since Saturday. I've always wanted to do that, but I've never gotten the nerve up to actually do it. Yeah. And it's fun <laughs> so if you do it with it somebody. Yeah. So my wife is doing it. Our friend Karita is doing it. Um, my um, Miss, J- I call her Miss Jamie. She was my son's kindergarten teacher. She's doing it. Like we, there is a group of, Oh, the ocean Ave stompers, Joe. So I was posting that I was doing this juice fast. So I am yeah. like, I'm going to do the juice fast. All right. So, so it is a little funner if you could do it with other people, because then it's like, how starving are you today? Right. <laughs> really starving today. Amy, I think you have an opening to start like a Monmouth County elected officials juice fast. You can leave. Right? Yeah. I totally yeah. should. Um, we'll challenge it. We'll do it. We'll raise money for charity, but hey, that's a great idea. Doing our juice fast. We should. Although mine's, I'm not Amy's doing it thinking. again. Amy's, yeah. <laughs> Amy's already quit. <laughs> Um, I'm getting through tomorrow and that's it. Um, okay. So, so I say all of that and I, I digressed a little bit, but I want to welcome Christine, the Monmouth County clerk. And I, I also very much want to congratulate you. You, you really killed it this election. I don't know how you supervise the election and also kill it in the election, but you did. Yeah, congratulations. Um, so congrats, congrats. Well, congrats to you as well. And do you want to do a little intro for our, um, for our listeners? Like, sure. Yeah, who, who are you? Yeah. Uh, Yes. So, well, I am Christine Hanlon, the county clerk, and I am so excited to have been reelected to another five-year term. Um, And as we were talking a little bit earlier, most people say, what is the county clerk? What does that even mean? Um, And I remember uh, when I became the county clerk five years ago, I would I called my mom? I you know I was so excited about the whole thing, and she's like, "That's amazing! What what exactly is that?" So um, most people have that reaction uh, with the county clerk. Um, it's actually an interesting concept that goes back to the Constitution of the uh, of the state of New Jersey, um, back to 1776 when the Constitution was written in New Jersey and adopted, um, and one of the main functions of the county clerk really has to do with preserving the property records of the entire county. And that's actually, I know it doesn't sound very interesting. I know. I fear you've bored our seven listeners already, Christine. I know. References to the Constitution. I know. But it's kind of cool that it's that I'm in the Constitution. But it was one of the biggest functions of the county clerk is to record all of the information relating to property. And it really was like protecting people's property rights, because who was in charge of all that? Who kept all those records? And that was kind of how the county clerk came to be. Um, And that's kind of one of the biggest functions of the clerk. Um, We also do passports. I have two passport offices where we really help people with their uh, passport needs. Uh, I handle the county archives, which is in Manalapan. And we preserve millions of records that go back to before the Civil War. Um, and I handle sort of the online records management 
for the county, more like the digital side of records management. And I guess sort of the important topic of the day relates to elections. And that's really another function of the county clerk. It's kind of interesting because I have all of these different areas that come together to make up the county clerk's office. Um, but the one that's the most exciting and the, the most, um, I guess the one that people relate to the most really deals with the clerk of elections office and coming off this crazy election of 2020. Um, most people know me as relating to the election process. So that's a little bit of background. <laughs> yeah. So which I want to get to, but I also want to say you're also an attorney. Yes. Mm -hmm. I and, practiced law for 20 over 20 years. And a mom. Yes. Four. <laughs> I know. I, I, I look at one and some days I'm like, what, what was I thinking? So whenever I see more than one, I'm always like, what were you thinking? Um, yes. And then la and you went to Barnard. I went to Barnard. Yes, that's I right. And I was a city girl. I'm a transplant. Yeah. And that's I was a girl girl school, city girl. Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, it still is. I went to an all girls high school in the Bronx, New York. Um, and then I went to Barnard, which is a woman's college. It still is, although it's very tight, you know, it's part of Columbia university. So, um, there is a mix there. You take classes at Columbia and Columbia students take classes at Barnard. Uh, but the college itself is still an, a women's college. And then I went to Fordham law school. So I was in Manhattan for a very long time. And then what brought you to Monmouth County? Well, I married into Monmouth County. My husband okay. um, is from West Long Branch and his family was in Monmouth County for a very long time. When I, after law school, I clerked for a federal uh, magistrate judge in Brooklyn. And then after that was a year. And then I went to the Bronx district attorney's office. And I was a prosecutor in the Bronx District Attorney's Office. And I met my husband, uh, Robert, there. And he was from this area. And we decided that um, we would come to Monmouth County. We lived in the Bronx for a little while because we had to as a requirement of our positions as uh, Bronx prosecutors. We lived in New York City. And then we decided that we at some point wanted to have a family. So we moved down here because his family was here and he was going to work here with his father and his law practice. So we decided to make the move. And that was in 1997. So I've been here since then. And working for the Bronx District Attorney's Office, that had to be interesting. That was the most amazing experience. Um, really an eye opener, um, but amazingly fun and educational. It was, you know, there were so many, there are hundreds of district attorneys, um, the most interesting cases. It was just nonstop. There were times when we had, you know, you really work all night. We would work night shifts. Um, we would be on, you know, homicide duty and have to go out in the middle of the night if there was something that went on, you know, conduct an investigation. Um, it was around the time when actually, um, I believe Rudy Giuliani was the mayor and he was making a lot of changes uh, to the police department and uh, making some changes in the city. And uh, we were such a busy office and it was just the greatest experience in terms of developing 
your presence in court, uh, knowing how to win a case, and just developing that work ethic of you're just nonstop. There is no time. There's no, you know, leaving and leaving your cases behind. Um, it just, you develop this really like you're in the trenches with everyone. And it's just nonstop, an amazing learning experience. Um, you know, some of it was upsetting because you saw a lot of things that you really never thought you would see in your lifetime. Um, but, I have a question about that kind of experience, yes, you know, yes. um, and this is, you know, with that, it's so intense, but so when you see something like law and order that everyone in America watches, you're like, they don't know what they're talking about or like, oh, I already, I don't even know what, to, I don't even have to watch it because I know how this works. In other words, it's something like, so America is fascinated with that exact job, right? And like yes. big city prosecutor and it's in fictionalized all over the place. So when you see something like, you know, you hear the two notes from the beginning of law and order, you're like, oh no. Uh, this is crazy or yeah, that happened on a, any other Tuesday that I worked in. Like, is, you know, is, yeah. is, there, is the fictional per, per, a fictional per, perception of that realistic or, you know, does that match your experience? Some, I would say the types of cases they really do. I mean, I haven't watched in, in a while, but years ago it when I, before I had, before <laughs> I had, four, yeah, right. There, it's probably the same, but before I had, you know, four kids and um, just, working so much. Um, I did watch law and order a lot and there were a lot of cases in law and order that were based on some of the things that we dealt with. Some of the real cases that we had ended up law and order shows and people from that show would come and learn about some of the cases that we had. So the, real, the only things that weren't as realistic as they could be were sort of the trials because they would take a lot of liberties in the courtroom that you wouldn't normally take because you have all the rules of court. Um, but the types of cases were realistic. Um, and some, you know, some things that happened in real life were a lot worse than what you saw um, on law and order. You know, I have to say when, you know, once I started, you know, all of these things are in your head and you, it's hard to let go of some of the scary or, really just psychologically upsetting things that you had to be a part of. Um, so those things. Kind I, of I didn't want to bring that up to trivial, trivialize it. That is, it's an interesting fascination. Like, in other words, like I think the people who work on the front lines, I'm related to NYPD, um, uh, retired NYPD. And so they carry certain things within their whole life. Right. So, but it is interesting to see this, that particular job is, what everyone wants to watch on television. And so, uh, so I didn't mean to bring it up to sort of like discount the awfulness, but it is an interesting culture. No, I have to say it was a, it was such a great experience. Before, well, when I was going to law school, I worked in Jersey city for child protective services, which was another like sink or swim, you know, it was back in the, yes. in the late nineties, early two thousands. So they threw you in, you were, you, you, mm -hmm. you, you swim investigating child abuse. And, and I came out of that, that profession four or five years later, really beaten on like antidepressants and probably 200 pounds, hard. but mm -hmm. yeah, it was very hard, but I will say that the skills that I learned on that job and the being quick on my feet and being really, really kind when you're about to do something really, really heartbreaking to someone like remove their kid. Yes. Um, those are skills that I can say unequivocally for the last 20 years of my life have been 
um, skills that have, you know, done, done me very, very well in terms of, you know, being able to have, you know, hard conversations or even just being a, a little less judgy or a little bit, a little bit charming or the, the, just those kinds of things that, um, because I, I lived in Jersey city and removed people's kids in Jersey city. So if I wasn't respectful to you, I would likely run into you. And if I was respectful, even if I did remove your kid, you could be okay with me. And the way Davis worked was they removed, once you removed the kid, you got a new caseworker. So they didn't necessarily see my face again, because they associated my face with the removal. So anyway, I say all that to say like those kind of high stress draws in your early 20s. I mean, I wouldn't want it. I wouldn't want my kid to have it. But having survived it and gotten skills from it, I'm, I'm glad I had that experience. Yes. Yes. I, I can see that. One of the things I worry about today, too, is, you know, especially in this world we're living in with COVID, where everything is through the screen, that you know, a whole generation, are, are they developing those real skills that you, the interaction with people and really learning um, about people and, and how to, how to interact with people and realize all of these issues that you, you should take into account when you're, when you're dealing with people. I actually think it's one of the things that I bring with me to my job. I feel like now um, because I'm so, I really try to provide really good customer service to people and understand where they're coming from, what their needs are. Um, even things in terms of when I think about, um, oftentimes I have people come to me who really, really need an ID card. They may be coming out of prison or some other issue. And we have like a lot of rules about giving out IDs, but because of my experience back in the prosecutor's office, I know how some people can be really down on their luck or dealing with situations that others might not understand what they're dealing with. So I feel like all of these things give me a perspective in my job that I have right now to do my best for the people who, who I serve. So kind of tying it back to the county clerk's office. I think that's a great, uh, I'm glad you brought that up for, for um, my partner's a social worker and she works with DOC and discharge planning with some clients. And uh, it's remarkably challenging to get an idea if you don't already have, you know, a driver's license, you know, if you didn't, if you're off the beaten path in some way and you're yes. sort of reentering, suddenly it's very intimidating and complicated. Um, mm -hmm. And if you, you know, if you're, afraid of going to the clerk's office, maybe you never get one. Right. So, so that's a very interesting perspective uh, from your end about something that is invisible to most citizens, right? They, the, the struggle just to get an ID so you can do, you yes. can buy, buy a bottle of wine or even verify your paycheck and stuff. Very complicated. Yeah. Or get any services that you yeah. potentially need. Um, so one of the things that the County clerk does, which I didn't mention earlier, cause it was getting like in the weeds on all of the different things, but uh, we issue IDs, whether it's veterans identification cards, and that's more like a discount type card or like an honorary card. Um, but also we're authorized to issue identification cards to adults and children. Um, but it's gotten really complicated over the years after 9-11 and with the Real ID Act um, as to 
you know, nobody wants to issue an identification to someone who ends up being a, a terrorist. And that's right. one of the issues that became an issue years ago with, with 9-11. Um, so, and, and now motor vehicle, there's so many requirements to get a driver's license or a non-driver's license. So that's really something I wish there was. If you can even currently get into a motor vehicle. Right, you can get in right now. You can't get in right now. Um, But I kind of wish there was some legislation to deal with this particular issue because there are many people who, you know, they just, whether homeless or, uh, as I said, coming out of prison, like they don't have the means to get back into um, society. That's something that. One side note about the real, the real ID that you mentioned, my father, um, in his late sixties, um, you know, being Irish, we all have the same first name. So his name was Joe Hugh. He has a younger brother named Joe. They forgot they had named him that, you know, seven years later. Yeah. So he had been Hugh Walsh his entire life under the real ID act. He shows up with his birth certificate and it says Joseph Hugh. And they're like, this isn't your name. You're, you're all of your IDs wrong. He's like, I haven't been that since the day in the hospital, like my military discharge, everything had Hugh, but it really turned his world upside down for a, a couple of weeks before, to get the ID because of a clerical error made in 1938. Not yes. an error, but like something written in his name is never really that, you know, so that's a tough law to get around if there's a minor variation, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to get us back to the sexy part of county clerk of, well, I don't know how sexy voting is, but we'll, 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 we'll get ourselves there. And just so you know, so we've been doing this podcast for maybe a year and a half and we were focusing um, on the characters of Asbury Park and, and the idea had been to try to get people up to date on municipal government, specifically millennials. And then, you know, we got three millennial listeners and everybody else was in their forties and fifties and sixties. So (laughs) we dropped that, that angle of it because millennials don't care about municipal government. Um, But I say all that to say, and then we got into COVID. So we've done, so you're one of our few non Asbury residents, you and Tommy. I am so honored. I feel good. Yeah. You're one of our few. Well, we're honored to have you. Um, but what, what we want to talk to you a little bit about is like what, what an election is like in a non-pandemic and, and what an election is like in this. And I can tell you, having campaigned in a non-pandemic and a pandemic, they're drastically different. Yes, drastically, drastically different. Um, oh, boy, this was like the craziest year. Um, you know, my elections office really... I. I only have five people in my elections office and I added one recently. I used to only have four. I added one because the state changed the vote by mail laws two years in a row. And I, and I needed more staff to deal with that. Never thinking that we would be dealing with all of this, this vote by mail. Um, So one of the things I did want to say though, is that the County clerk, it's a weird setup in our County based on our County charter where there's three separate and and I know Amy you have like a little background and that's just you know because you've run for office now a couple of times there's three separate um, election offices um, the county clerk is only one of the three so I only handle certain items relating to to the elections that occur in the county most people think I'm sort of the overseer of the whole thing but it's actually three separate offices that each have their own jurisdiction 
and we are sort of in some ways, I guess, a check and balance on each other, but I have my certain duties and the other two offices have their duties. So the main duties of the county clerk relate to preparing all the ballots in an election. And there's all different kinds. It's the mail-in ballots, provisional ballots, emergency ballots. Even the face of the machine is actually, actually right now is like a piece of paper that's behind the screen. And that's another type of ballot that's prepared. And we prepare federal ballots. Um, and, and we mail all the mail-in ballots. Um, so in a normal election cycle, my office has a fraction of the responsibility that we actually had during this election. Because normal elections in New Jersey, you have a lot of machine voting and you have a very limited amount of paper ballot voting. And my office, you know, mails out the, the ballots and they go back to the board of elections, a separate office, and they're counted by the board. Um, and so I just wanted to, I, sorry, can I bring that up? No, because I, sure. I still to this day am confused. I know there's two offices. Three. Yes. Three. Well, I didn't <laughs> even know there was three and I've run for office how many times, but I know there's the county clerk and I know there's the board of elections and I know those yeah. are two separate entities, but I have, I'll be honest. I, I, I never fully under, like I email Susan McCree or Robin and say, yes. I don't know who this goes who to. Talk to. to. Yes. But yes. could one of you tell me who to send this to? And and they inevitably do. You know, I, yes. Robin, I, I've known since my first election, which was, with, you know, Asbury doesn't have easygoing, easy, peaceful elections. Yes. You know, I remember that. I was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, we don't I have easy on, elections. I was here. at the board back then before um, I became the county clerk. Yeah. So can you just describe what the Board of Elections does to just for people who are listening so they understand the difference? Yes. So the Board of Elections handles poll workers, polling locations, counting paper ballots. And so you prepare uh, them and they count them. Correct. And actually, if I explain how that office runs, it actually make it'll make more, the most sense to you. Okay. So I'm I'm an elected official, I'm one person and I have a you know, a staff of people who work for me. I prepare the ballots and send them out. The board is actually run by the political parties. So you have three Democrats and three Republicans who oversee the board and they oversee the counting of the ballots. And that's what you want because you have the two political parties overseeing the actual count. So I don't count anything. And that's a good thing because I'm just one person. I'm also an elected official. I shouldn't be counting that. I shouldn't be counting anything. So the board is the entity that's run by the political parties. And a lot of people don't realize that they're appointed by the governor and then those six people hire the staff. And in Monmouth County, there's like a balance of as best they can between Republicans and Democrats who are on the staff as well, because you want that balance of the political parties to be overseeing the actual count of actual ballots. So it makes a lot of sense to do that. Um, so counted, there's no counting involved in what I do. 
The superintendent of elections office is the third office. And in 19 of the 21 counties, the superintendent and the board of elections are combined. In two counties in the state of New Jersey, they're separate. So in only two counties, there's three separate and distinct election offices. The superintendent handles the voter list and the machines. I'm not sure why this <laughs> handle the machines because it seems to me that that should go to the board, but some counties that's combined. But in Monmouth County, the superintendent is the voter history and they have in their office investigators that, that have like law enforcement right. powers that can go, that's the Sue McRae office who you were mentioning. Okay, so can they I can just go say out and back, investigate voter history. Yes. I'm going to say this back to you just so uh, to make sure I understand it. And I of all people should having run in a number of elections, but you guys essentially design the ballot. You send oh, it me. out. That's me. Yep. Right. Yeah, that's you. Yeah. Yep. Board of election gets it back mm -hmm. and count and goes through the process of counting with the three Republicans and three Democrats overseeing it. The yes. superintendent like is the person who's making the guest list. Who's sending out? That's correct. Who is just just maintaining the list? She doesn't send okay. out anything. So you design they, the invitation, they maintain the list, and the board of election does essentially the seating chart. Like for example, right? Yeah. <laughs> now the tricky part, the confusing part for people is that the county clerk actually, sort of at the end of the election, is responsible for certifying and almost like. It's called like the tabulation. It's pulling all the results that have already been counted really together and doing the official tabulation at the end. So for instance, normally I would take all those machine results that are on the machines. They were given to me, but the machine tabulates those. I'm not sitting there figuring out what the results are on the machines. The machine is tabulating those results and then the board of elections counts the paper ballots and they give me on a flash drive, the results of the paper ballot tally. And then I put them all together and come up with the final. And really it's done mostly electronically now, because as you see on election night, it all goes onto my election night website. So that's pulling in the machine tally and whatever the Board of Elections counted already on the paper and uploading that all together for the final tabulation of the results. It's strange that it then comes back to the county clerk um, to pull all the numbers together, but that's, that's the system. And then after that, interestingly enough, for a general election, there's something called the Board of County Canvassers where we come together and you probably heard on the news a lot about the canvas and, you know, with the presidential election and all of the States that, you know, the official canvas and the certification of results. So our canvas we did uh, last week and the actually it was two weeks ago. Now the, the County clerk is the clerk of the board of canvassers and members of the board of elections become now members legally of the board of canvassers and we all come together and we sign off on all the final tallies and we do the official 
certification. There's so many things that go on in election behind the scenes and figuring all this out. <laughs> it's very complicated, but somehow we get through it. Well, can I ask two questions? So I didn't mail my ballot in early because I, I wanted to just kind of see what mechanisms you guys were going to do. And what I thought you did such a good job with was, so I got something in the mail from one of those offices saying, hey, Amy, you didn't mail in your ballot yet. You got to mail in your ballot by this date. Was that, who was that? Board of Elections? I don't know. I don't think it was that a, was that a campaign? It was a mail. It was a mailer from the county. I thought your picture was on it, but I got something. I'll, I'll <laughs> it may have been a campaign mailer. I don't know because I was on the ballot. I could have sent you something. Oh, maybe. Okay, maybe. Well, either way, somebody knew I hadn't voted yet and wanted and not. I thought it wasn't a campaign, but now I have to. I, okay, now I got to dig that out. Right, so that was one of the one of the things that we did, and um, I was trying to come up with a lot of ideas to make the process work for us in Monmouth County. And so one of the things that I got permission from the superintendent and from the board to do was to send out a postcard from the three offices that really explained the election to every registered voter. So I think that little postcard really helped because when you look at our voter turnout in Monmouth County from this different kind of election. We were at 72% turnout before election day. And if you compare that with four years ago, our total turnout was 75% at, at the end of the election. So we were at 72 going into election day. And I'm hoping that some of the things that we did with the county election offices helped to get our Monmouth County voters to understand that this was gonna be very different and what they needed to do to make sure that their vote was in. So one thing was this postcard that we sent to everybody. Um, before the ballots came out, I didn't want anyone to be surprised when they got the ballot. And that was an issue that we heard of in a lot of other counties where voters were like, what the heck is this? Because no matter how much radio, you know, social media, advertising you do, you don't catch everybody. So we decided to mail out that postcard that might, may have been one of the things that you got. Yeah, so Mary DeSarno mailed me from Superintendent of Elections, mailed me something just saying, you know, we haven't received your ballot yet. So I was like, well, so make what you will of that. But anyway, I appreciated it because <laughs> yeah, you hadn't that, received my ballot. The, um, it could have been, we did, we did send out to anyone whose ballot wasn't in. My we ballot wasn't in. Yes. The polling so, location card. Yeah. Yeah. They, so you sent me that. Ballot. Yes. Yes. So Mary that was great. and I did that together. Yes. Okay. Yes. I thought so that, that was, was great because I had yes. not sent in my ballot. And then I did send in my ballot and I uh, got a notice that, and, and rightfully, you know, when you go to the booth, you see the signature that you've signed 20 years ago. And so you repeat it. But yeah. this time I did, you know, I used, I haven't used that signature. My signature then is like bubble letters. Like I'm writing in a notebook to my BFF. <laughs> yeah. so, so I got a letter back saying your signature does not match, which I'm sure it did not. Can you re you got to resend us. You got to fill this out, send this to us. And this will be the signature from here on out. So I totally appreciated that. That was and the board. I, yes. Okay. I Thank you board. And then I appreciated the tracking. 
which, you know, I know, I know people complain to me a little bit about the tracking, but I appreciated watching it go from, you know, receive to whatever it went to. And I thought that was great. So, I mean, and I never vote by mail. I, I, that was the first time I had voted by mail other than in the primary. I, I had to watch a whole bunch of how to vote by mail videos because, you know, is-, is I hope you watch some of mine. We didn't- I, I, I was going to jump in and, and say okay. yeah, the two videos were great. You know, the- Good, the, I'm so glad. I, I can't- I have nothing but positive things to say about this whole process. You know, not knowing who was in charge, I thought we got uh, materials explaining, timely materials explaining what we needed to do, warning us what not to do. We got the ballot. I sent it back, saw your videos. Um, it, I mean, maybe there's better things that could have been done, but it certainly worked in a way like it turns a stressful thing. You know, everyone was worried about it. To, it seemed like, oh, this became a no drama thing. I put this in the mail. I voted the county sent me something saying, we got it. Congratulations. And I was like that, the whole process was great. And I can't imagine the work put in by your, by your office to make it go really great. You know, great job. You know? Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. You know, you know I, what? It was really important to me, especially knowing having been through presidential elections, whether I was on the board of elections before I became the clerk and as a clerk, presidential elections, no matter what are so, they're the worst. You know, unhinged at all times because everybody's upset. Everybody's thinking there's a conspiracy. Everybody's angry about everything that happens. It's just a normal presidential election. I've been through them many times now. And then when they're we the, had- the, They're the absolute worst elections. And, and I'm yes, just saying, my friend hard. Jackie Sharp, she owns Purple Glaze. She's a dear friend of mine. She's like, you had to get on the fucking presidential cycle, right? You had to be on the fucking yeah. presidential cycle because it's the worst, whether it's, it's Obama or Trump, the trickle down of whatever has not gone well in those two administrations is the the not is the door I'm knocking on, right? It's yes. the, the reaction to the pandemic or unemployment or whatever, whoever's the president at the time, the trickle down for that, for the people knocking on door to door, even in a nonpartisan town, which Asbury is, and overwhelmingly democratic, you still feel the trickle down from the, from the yes. presidential election. Yes. Question. Presidentials are, t- are tough. So when we got handed the vote by mail and we didn't have a lot of time to transition, I mean, How we had a feeling did you have? it was only a couple of weeks. Um, so we got the word and we actually, all the County clerks and the election officials had gotten together to really try to push the governor's office to make a decision because when you're dealing with the 6 million ballots that needed to go out in the state, which meant, you know, 12 million envelopes that needed to be produced in a very short period of time and all of the other paper and supplies and infrastructure that you needed to get ready for something like this. We went to the governor's office and we said, like, we need a decision now. We can't wait because there's so much material. There's so much planning. So we had a couple of weeks. It was like mid-August that we got the word. And by really by mid-September, so it was like a month, I would say, that we had to start getting things out the door and transitioning into hiring more staff and dealing with social distancing and uh, plexiglass and bringing so many people on um, 
you know, that was that was tough in a very short period of time. And the board of elections, because they had to do the count of the uh, almost 400,000 ballots that were going to come back in. I mean, they had to hire like 100 people in a very short period of time and make sure that you were following all the protocols and make, helping, making sure, praying nobody was going to get sick um, and making sure everyone was, you know, social distancing well enough. But it was a very short period of time to transition um, into dealing with this heavy paper um, and paper election. Um, and you're talking to Joe and I, who who were like somewhat in the know, but I can't tell you how many doors I would knock on and they would say, well, I'm going to the booth. And we'd say, like, well, oh. <laughs> and, and, but you don't want to get a fight, right? Because I still want you to vote for me. So well, right, I have right. to be discouraging in a very charming way, which was, you know, you know, we just were trying to explain to people, there is only really, 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 really limited number of people who are going to be allowed to go into a booth. Yeah. And, you know, you really, really should vote by mail. And and I felt their pain because I had never voted by mail or, you know, that, you know, and, and my base is a go into the booth and, and vote. You know, they're not they're not a vote by mail. I don't have a vote by mail base in, here in Asbury. Um, and I can't tell you how many times I would knock on doors or I this was this was and I'm sure you guys got it like I'm going to wait for my. One, people thought it was a sample ballot, right? So you had people thinking it was a sample ballot and then throwing it out, which it was not. And then you had people who I guess normally vote by mail and the ballot looked different. So they thought, oh, I'll wait for my, I request, my real, I, I my requested my ballot. real vote my by mail ballot. <laughs> and we would be at the door and be like, you know, trying to explain to people that, no, this is your real vote by mail ballot. Yes, that wasn't yes. the sample that you threw out. So you need to call and get another one. And unless you have like a foot in the grave, you are not going to be able to vote on a machine. Yes. I, it was very hard in terms of voter education. Um, there were so many people that would call and say, I, I don't want the vote by mail ballot. I want an absentee ballot. And you know, they just were so unhappy with the answers that we were giving them. Um, it was really hard to deal with people on the phone. Um, so many people were angry just because I have to say our election process has changed every year in the past three years. We have been dealing with voter ire for three years in a row. And this was this was this one took the cake. <laughs> But um, there was a big change in 2019. There was a big change in 2018. And voters get really upset because it's confusing. And they want to do it the way they want to. They want to vote the way they have always voted. And it's a very hard thing to change the mindset. Um, and that was the biggest challenge this year, is getting people to understand Without people hating me also, because it wasn't my fault that we were doing And you're it. also running. <laughs> I was on the ballot too. And really getting people understand that this is a mandate. We have no choice. And really the best option is voting this and voting it early. Um, so that was like our whole mission for, for weeks to get people to understand that what, what they needed to do. And I have to say, People really stepped up to the plate. I mean, it took some time, but 
most people didn't go out to the polls. So I was really happy about that because the more people that went to the polls, the longer it would take to count the ballots. So we really did have a lot of the ballots. The board had a lot of the ballots back in advance of election day and they had time to prep. I never thought we would be certifying and done in time. And because everybody, all our voters like stepped up to the plate and did what they had to do, even though they were mad about it, um, it gave the board of elections the time to deal with this heavy volume of paper. Um, so kudos to our voters in Monmouth County. <laughs> they did what they had to do. You know, so, I wanted to follow up on something you said before. You had, you know, what was the final turnout? If 72% had returned the ballot before election day, what, did you end up with a record percentage? Yes, or? we did. And I don't have it on the top of my head. I think we were like 80, a little over 80. I have to go. That's, uh, we'll take your word for it. <laughs> it, was, it was high. It was yeah. very high. It was very high. Well, I find that interesting uh, because I, I'm a vote in person. I like to go in person. Um, I get nerdy about elections. I like I, 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 you know, I thank the poll workers. You know, and 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 I like going and 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 pulling the lever. But I, you know, if if we ended up with eighty percent, I mean, obviously it's a sort of an emotionally charged election. But it, it seems like the process invited more people to participate, you know, so I'm not saying we should do vote by mail all the time, but it seemed to be, maybe that that's telling us something. It's like, well, if we made it easier for people to vote, more people participate. Like when, you know, and I'm one of those people who thinks that maybe election day should be a, a holiday because I've almost missed voting because of something that happened at work. Right. You know, when I was, yes. like, I'm going to go after work, you know, I'm going to vote after work. I'm like, Oh, I got to stay and fix this problem. And then I'm rushing to get home if I forget to do it beforehand. So a lot of people sometimes just get sidetracked at work or their daily activities never get to the ballot box when it's in person. So I thought the turnout was really fascinating. You know, we were actually, I just checked. We were at 82. Wow. Which is high, which is high. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Can I mention two things also just on the ground that we were worried about here in Asbury, both as a candidate, but also as a human being was if we had a few, we, we knew we had a small demographic of people who were going to try to vote in person that they did they did not believe in the sanctity of the vote by mail or I'm not sure sanctity is the right word but did not believe in that process and and they were going in and we couldn't and and this is probably you know to 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 your point the credit and the people in Monmouth County most people didn't so I couldn't gauge how many people were going to go into the poll and be told no and then I was so worried about what was going to happen to the poll workers who are all in like their seven, at least the ones in Asbury are all in their seventies. You know, they do this out of such civic duty, not, you know, because they believe in the process. So, so I spent leading up to election day, very worried. There was either going to be a fight at the polls yes, I was or that people too. were going to be screaming at our poll workers, which was going to break my heart. It just that level of stress. And I will tell you, neither one of those things happened. We had one or two, small incidences of, of requiring people to wear a mask when they came in and we told them they had to do provisionals. We had and I, I, less than one hand of people. And we also found that once people came in and we said, you can't vote in the booth, as long as they could vote, even if it was provisionally, they calmed, you know, it, it yeah. kind of took away from there. So my, my two stresses didn't happen, but leading up to it, I was so stressed out that those two things were going to happen. And <laughs> you know what? So was I. And I think that 
led us to do as much voter education as we possibly could because we were really were. But I have to say, once I saw the numbers leading into election day, I was not as concerned because I was able to see the overall picture of how many ballots had actually come back in. And that made me feel like, okay, it's not going to be such a bad day because we had so many people who did turn their ballots in, who were using the drop boxes. Um, So my concern, the same that you, you had that like, you know, there's going to be hundreds wanting to get on those machines. I think partly the voter education um, and people just doing what they needed to do, it didn't come to fruition, thank goodness. And I actually drove around a lot on election day to just kind of get a sense of what was going on. And it was very quiet. Very eerily quiet, eerily quiet. Everybody had already turned in, <laughs> turned yeah. in their ballot. Yeah. And just from a campaign point of view, like, and you, and you know, this Christine, like you design your entire campaign to election day. So you, your money for your walkers, like everything is designed for the major one day of, of the election and it's pulling out your voters. And, and, um, you know, I had a bus go to Georgie's because my voters are all in Georgie's drinking and getting them, you know, to the polls and, and back to Georgie's and, and things like that. And so this election for the last week or 10 days until Election Day, there was nothing to do. It was the it was most bizarre election yeah. because if you, you know, Asbury, a lot of people in Asbury already voted. So it was just about um, getting, you know, the last minute people out and the lists were dated, you know, Van was a little updated, a little not. Um, So it, it was the quietest election day I probably ever had in in my life. It was very quiet. And I have to say you, you had it more difficult than, than I had it, you know, because Asbury is nonpartisan and it's harder to track, you know, how the votes are going in a way, right. you know, if uh, you're, our, our 2000 Republicans coming out today, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> so <laughs> on, the no, level, yeah, no, no. <laughs> on the county level, um, because, you know, most towns are in the partisan, you know, running partisan, it's easier to see if your voters are coming out. You know, you do have the big window of the unaffiliated, uh, you know, the big, I'm sorry, the big group of unaffiliated, you know, a little more than a third of the county is unaffiliated. Um, but going into election day, you can see who's returning ballot. You don't know how they voted, but you, you know, their party and you kind of see how things are going. But it's harder in a nonpartisan town to really get a sense of where things are. But yeah, and we have a huge, a lot of people don't know this. I mean, we have a we have a large democratic base of voters, but we also have a huge right behind it is unaffiliated. Right, yeah. right, right behind it. You know, you know, let I'm gonna be wrong on these numbers, but say four thousand registered gems and then another three thousand unaffiliated, and then maybe another five or six hundred Republicans. Um, so yeah, it was really hard to gauge. The whole election was was the strangest, I, 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 I've said this like repeatedly, it was the strangest election Absolutely. I ran in. Not only from a campaign level, um, it was also like harder to raise money because people were out of work and you felt more uncomfortable asking people for money. Yes. And then um, 
emotions were so high on a wide range of topics, some of which, you know, the city can do something about. But, you know, if you've lost your job and other than, you know, maybe doing CARES money for back rent, there's not a whole lot I can do for that kind of anxiety and depression that you're right. experiencing. It was just such right. a it was the most bizarre election I've ever I've ever Very, I, I felt so bad for my running mate, um, Ross, because he, you know, it was the first time he ever ran. And he's like, I was so excited to, you know, to be a candidate in the county. He's like, this is just so weird. You know, like you don't know. Normally you're going door to door and you're talking to people. You can't really do that as much. And you're having fundraisers, you're having teas. Fundraisers are awkward. Yeah. And and no, like thinking about just last year, how many events I was at, not necessarily political events, but just like civic events that I was at throughout the county, sometimes two a night, you know, multiple times a week. And, And this year it was like, how, how are we talking to people? It was very very difficult. Um, So I felt bad for my running mate. I'm glad he won along with me, but um, it was a weird year for him. I mean, Lillian's been through many campaigns, so, you know, she, she's been through it before, but Ross running for the first time, it was very, very hard for him during this COVID situation. Right. And what kind, like, did, did you get any sort of questions that even shocked you that, 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 that your office got? I mean, I definitely got people thinking that the vote by mails were somehow going to be, um, somebody was going to abscond with them or, or, you know, strange things like that. Um, that, I have to say the weirdest thing someone said to me was that I had blood on my hands. What? What because I was mean? sending people mail-in ballots. And that person called multiple times and emailed multiple times to the point where I started to, I referred it to the prosecutor's office because I was getting a little nervous. Um, I guess, I don't know how that relates to mail-in ballots, <laughs> but somehow, <laughs> somebody, somebody related. But- Christine, the ballot the ballot seemed pretty safe when I filled it out. I didn't yes, find it. I think it was wiping off blood from the ballot. And did she rights or I, I don't know. We had yeah. a lot of people really angry at us for taking away their rights. And when you explained to them that this was an order that came down for the governor and in his defense, not that I always agree with him, but I got it. I mean, I understood why he was doing it, but I got a lot of how can I, how come I can go to Wegmans, but I can't, you know, stand. Yes, with exactly. That exactly. Was, that was the narrative. You know, people, most people did understand once we explained it to them. There was the small group who persisted with, I have blood on my hands and um, that I should be defying the mandate or that I was doing something illegal by sending out the ballots because the whole process was illegal. So there were a small number who persisted with not being satisfied with the explanations we were we got to the point where i had to put the explanation in the voicemail i don't blame you it's like if you are calling because you're upset with the mail and ballot please call the governor's office because we get like seven thousand calls a day about that 
Yeah. So we, oh did, we did do that because it got to the point because people were just calling. And I understand people were really upset. And because a lot of people don't understand what the county clerk does and what my jurisdiction is that I'm elected and I answered to the voters of the county. I'm not an arm of the state government. People just assume that the county clerk is because I send out the ballots and everything's run by the state. You know, a lot of people don't realize that the counties are run by the counties under the, you know, by following the law that's passed. But some people think that the whole election process is sort of orchestrated by the state and it's not. It's county by county. So people just assume that we all worked for the secretary of state's office or the governor's office. And, you know, they just wanted to you know, express their frustration. I understand that, but we had to kind of explain, like, we don't want to do this either. Uh, no, but um, <laughs> most people got it and they appreciated all the work that we were doing and all the explanations. And, you know, we really try to do really good customer service. So everybody is nice on the phone and is very respectful to the voters. So usually worked out well. And is, are your office blissfully quiet these days not really there's a couple of recounts uh there's oh. three recounts um in monmouth county we never stop we have recounts all the time so we have three recounts. there's actually an audit actually interestingly enough and i'm actually glad that this was part of the law that was passed you and just describe a, re a recount and an audit for our you know three millennial listeners who might not know yeah <laughs> well, I, I don't know i'd like to hear myself <laughs> so we we've never really done this type of audit before but because we did the mail-in ballot system it was required that an audit be done post-election where the board of elections has to pull ballots a per certain percentage of the ballots and do like a hand recount to confirm the number that was processed through the machines because all of these mail-in ballots are not counted by hand you know unless there's a special circumstance there are machines that scan just like you'd put a test you know some kind of um it's an optical scanner. When you fill in the bubble, it goes through the scanning device. So this audit does a, it's like a hand count audit to just ensure that there was nothing off in terms of the scanning. So they take a certain percentage of the ballots. And actually I, I just spoke to the chair of the board of elections um, this evening and they're getting, they're doing this audit tomorrow. And they have a bunch of staff members who are going to be sitting at different tables. And when you do a hand count of the ballots, typically you have four people who count one ballot. And I, they're probably doing it that way. So you have, you're taking a tally of each ballot. And it's a very cumbersome process because you have to have Republicans and Democrats counting and you have one person looking at the ballot, you have another person looking over their shoulder, and then you have one person doing the tally of the ballot, hand tallying it, and then you have another person looking over that shoulder. So you have teams of people ensuring that the hand tally is correct, and then you compare that with uh, the, the scanned tally. So that's taking place tomorrow. 
And then because we had um, very close elections in two towns and we had a not so close election in another town, but for whatever reason, they asked for a recount. So Neptune City and Eatontown had very close council elections. So candidates there filed for recounts. And then in Howell, there was... I, I personally there's didn't always drama. Close enough. I feel like there's yes. always yes. drama. <laughs> in the I, I read about Howell and think you're worse than Asbury, and Asbury's always got a ton of drama. <sighs> yeah, so they're having a recount too. And what happens during the recount if they ask for a hand recount, which is what people should do when they're asking for a recount, is they sit there and they hand count all the ballots and it's a lot of ballots because it's almost all the votes that were cast were on paper. So these recounts will take a significant period of time and you have teams of people recounting by hand, all of these ballots because just to ensure that the scanners were correct. And then with the machine recount, it's very simple. You're kind of just pressing a button to print out the, um, the machine results, there's not much else that goes on with like the voting machines. And there weren't very many votes on the voting machines. Right. So the recounts are really about those mail-in ballots. So it never, it never ends. We just keep going. Um, so, you know what, what's interesting, a lot of people don't realize is that in Monmouth County, because we have 53 towns, uh, we have um, nonpartisan towns. We also have fire district elections and, of course, our school elections. We have elections going all year long. They're not big elections, but they are they just keep us busy. So the December election uh, was postponed until January by executive order. But come January, we'll be we'll be busy with elections again. Wow. So and now I'm catching up on the other side of things because there were so many things that I had to put aside um, dealing with this vote by mail election. So we've been busy in the other divisions of the office catching up. Uh, I'm not sure if you know this, you may be seeing it in Asbury, uh, but it's like a real estate boom here in Monmouth County. And that means that my office is very busy because every piece of paper that deals with a real estate transaction, you know, all the property transactions have to come through my office. So we're really busy right now. Uh, the real estate boom. We had a real estate agent on, on the podcast, Sonia O'Brien. It's obscene. It's, I yes. mean, it's obscene in Esbury Park what people are what people are willing to spend, but I have to, okay, we're hitting the seven o'clock hour and I have to ask you the questions we always ask people. Oh, uh oh. okay. So, um, I need, so <laughs> the pressure's you, on. Okay. Um, do you know what, so it's not going to be a surprise to you. Do you know what Tommy Arnone's favorite movie was? It's not going to oh. be a surprise. No, I Rocky. don't. It's Rocky. Don't oh God, like that? that doesn't surprise that me doesn't, at all. Of course <laughs> when he told us that we were hysterical because it we're like, oh, yeah. made sense once he said it. So we need your favorite movie. Oh gosh, this is hard. It gets everybody. Even we had the the owners of the showroom, and they got stumped. They actually and they reacted. Owned a movie theater. They reacted like almost angrily, like ah, like how, how, like, how dare we know? ask them what's their favorite movie? There's too many. All right, if you don't have movies, do you have a series that you're watching right now that you'd recommend, or a series uh, your favorite you know, series? I'm actually well, I'm watching The Crown. 
Oh, okay. everybody loves the crown. I do love the crown. I'm getting ready to watch this season. I, you know, I haven't started this next season. Mm. We're actually, because all my kids are home, um, two home from college because of COVID. Um, we, my son recommended um, Sherlock. That's good. So we're kind of, it's very strange, but it's very interesting. So that's mm-hmm. kind of a fun one um, to watch. Yeah. It's not a straightforward Sherlock Holmes. Uh, no, it's movie. very interesting. Yeah, um, and, uh, you know, my, so my older ones can, can watch that with, with us. The younger ones don't, they're not that crazy about that one. Interested. And, and I have to say Peaky oh. Blonders was one of my favorites. Oh, uh, I'm related to everyone it? in that show. Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders. Okay. I'm putting it on my to-do. You know, I'm looking for shows left and right because, uh, you know, I'm zipping through shows at night. And Christine, not do you for, listen to not podcasts? For the faint of, not, not for the faint of heart. Peaky blinders. Peaky bones. Okay. Peaky blinders. Do you listen to but podcasts? It's riveting. I don't want to okay. say. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, we only no. ask that people recommend I, podcasts. So not to worry about I that. To, while I'm running, I listen to uh, a podcast. But yeah, so I feel like when I run, I can't listen to a podcast. I need to listen to like pop music or something just to get me running. You know, I a pod, I listen to podcasts a lot, but not running. I have to listen to fast-paced music running, or else I'll just walk. Like, you know what? I'm like the opposite. I like I can't get my stride when I'm listening to music because I like I get all mixed up. So when I'm listening to, because I'm a political junkie, so I when I listen to just political shows, I can just run forever. <laughs> That like two miles. <laughs> it feels like forever. Yeah. Here how about we, we do favorite Christmas movies instead of favorite? Sure. Movies. Sure. Which one? Which one is it? Uh, I have to say, Meet Me in St. Louis. It's not really a Christmas movie, but it's really one of my favorites. I'm getting ready um, to watch it. I like old movies. Yeah, I'm a Turner Classic movie person, so that's what we. Amy, only, really right is that on your list? We no, watched that one. No. So I'm we're watching, Amy, have you watched me? I haven't. I'll watch it. I'm not a big old movie classic. Oh, okay. I like yeah. old movies. I like yeah, no, I'm not a big old movie classic. And I have a five-year-old, so we're watching the latest version version of The Grinch Stole Christmas, which is a cartoon, but it's actually really, really good. It's it was yes. I think I saw I think I saw it. It, it was, was adorable. It came out yeah. a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing, and I don't know that you spend enough time in Asbury Park Christine to answer, but we usually ask people their favorite places that are now gone. Oh, gone? Gone. So there's a bar called Anybody's. You know, we got last week we got Chico's, which was a jazz lounge. Um, but you, you, you don't have like Asbury Park stories. You weren't born, you know, like Tommy no, was like because, born. No, because I'm not here. I, you know, Tommy's was I great because it was. I his... kind of miss the um. I miss the beach to myself. Don't we all? Don't we? All? I have to say, we years ago, years and years ago, before it started to get crowded, we we had been we were like members at Promenade, and then we and we quit, and we were looking for a place to go to the beach, so we started our we've decided to start going to Asbury and on the weekend you could go and there would be like miles and miles of beach and no one was there. It was just, things were starting to like really turn around. And I miss those days. Like we, the kids were so little and we used to just have 
stretches and stretches of beach. And we walked the boardwalk up and down when the stores were, you know, started. And now you wait online for the food and everything. I love that about Asbury that it's really just gotten so wonderful and popular. But I miss those days at the beach when it was, it was just a small. You're among friends here. <laughs> yeah. And the one good thing about the pandemic was that we could, you know, we could get 19,000 people on our beach or 15,000 people on our beach. And with the pandemic, we had to limit it to half. So it, it looked like a 2006, 2007 beach this year. Yes, I was, came this year because we got nice. our passes. We did get our, we were able to get our passes and we did come last year. We didn't go much um, Last year was packed. It was so and we see here now. It was so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, crowded. so we did come back this year because it was a little more. You could get on the. You can get on. Yes, uh, and we've talked about like good things about the pandemic. I don't know if you have good things about the pandemic, but one of the good things about the pandemic was kind of slowing everything down in Asbury because it was going. Yeah. It yes. was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Yes, so. I actually have I I have some good things about the pandemic. There was a lot of really nice family time that we had. Um, you know, I have four teenagers. Actually, my son just turned twenty. Um, but during the pandemic, we had four teenagers at home, and you don't always get a lot of family time with with four teenagers. And we got to slow everything down and enjoy dinners together. I mean, we do eat dinner together a lot, even though I'm so busy. Um, but during the pandemic, it was everybody was at the dinner table. We talked for hours about all different things. And that was just, it was really nice. We would just go for walks because there was nothing else to do. We would go to the parks and it was just, I really like that about the pan, you know, the time. Especially so, teenagers, since you usually don't see them at all. <laughs> you know, yeah, they, so it was it was they nice. Sleep till have, noon, they and then they're out all night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they couldn't go anywhere. They were stuck yeah. with me. <laughs> all right, thank you, Christine. Thank, Christine, thank thanks you. Thanks so much. Yeah.